evening that you'd be able to say it as well with my soul. God is good. And all the time. I just want to take a moment here, Pastor Privilege, just to tell you how blessed I was this morning. I uh, was kind of uh, quiet this morning before all of y'all got here. Um, And I just walked through and I just thought about the new carpet out there on the patio uh, and how what a blessing that is. And then I walked over here to the new Family Life Center and just thought what a blessing that is and saw that new refrigerator and that new stove and just thought about how those casters are now on that island and we can move that island. I I don't know, I just went through that whole building and I just started praising the Lord. And I'm just so thankful. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for God's hand upon this church and the blessings that He's poured out on us. It's just, it's a blessing. Amen? Amen. And I just wanted to say thank you and thank the Lord uh, for all that He's done and all that He's continuing to do and all the things that we have to look forward to. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Numbers. In the Old Testament, there's a book called Numbers. Numbers 21. We're going to look at the first 10 verses of Numbers 21. And as you're turning there, the title of my message is From Conquerors to Complainers. From Conquerors to Complainers. We're going to see in our text today, when we read it, that the Israelites went from being delivered out of bondage. Many of you know the story of Israel and how they were slaves in Egypt. And they go from being delivered out of that, delivered out of Egypt, delivered out of slavery, and they become conquerors in battle, and they defeat the enemies, and then lo and behold, they become bitter complainers. How does this happen? How does this happen to God's people, to those who are called God's children? We can become so ungrateful. And and listen, I, I, I know, I know. It isn't true for this crowd today. But sometimes, sometimes, those who are the most blessed and highly favored can be sometimes the crankiest complainers. It shouldn't be. And we know that. And listen, if we're confessing today, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Sometimes, I'm saying this real low, sometimes, Sometimes I catch myself being ungrateful. Don't tell anybody. And listen, I'm probably not the only one that that applies to today. I thought it was so interesting today as I was walking around shaking hands and kissing babies. I thought it was so interesting today that uh, Miss Faye said, Well, I'm okay. I I have no complaints. And I said, Well, I'm going to tell you something. That, is, that, that goes right along with my message. So, Miss Faye, here it is. We, you know, we sometimes don't pause, like I talked about this morning, walking through and just being grateful for all the things of God and how God is blessing and how God has uh, shown you His favor. And if we're not careful, we're going to be like those Israelites. We're going to get delivered out of bondage, delivered out of addiction, uh, victorious in battle over temptation and over things. And if we're not careful, we'll go right from those victories, right from that deliverance to being a cranky complainer. And I don't want that for myself. I don't like when I see it in myself. And I don't want you to ever think that that's normal or to take that for granted. So if you have your Bibles open to Numbers 21, Numbers 
Numbers 21. We're going to look at the first 10 verses of Numbers 21. Would you stand in reverence for the reading of God's Word if you're physically able? Numbers 21, first 10 verses. This is what it says. When the Canaanite king of Arad, who lived in the Negev, heard that Israel was coming on the Ephraim road, he fought against Israel and captured some prisoners. Then Israel made a vow to the Lord, if you will deliver, if you will deliver this people into our hands, we will completely destroy their cities. The Lord listened to Israel's request. The Canaanites were defeated, and Israel completely destroyed them and their cities, so they named the place Hormah. Then they set out from Mount Hor by way of the Red Sea to bypass the land of Edom, but the people became impatient because of the journey. And turn to your neighbor and say they must have been Baptists. <laughs> now verse 5, the people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you led us up from Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no bread or water, and we detest this wretched food. Must have been celery. Then the Lord sent poisonous snakes. Then the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and they bit them so that many Israelites died. The people then came to Moses and said, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Intercede. Intercede with the Lord so that he will take the snakes away from us. And Moses interceded for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a snake image and mount it on a pole. When anyone who is bitten looks at it, he will recover. So Moses made a bronze snake and mounted it on a pole. Whenever someone was bitten and he looked at the bronze snake, he recovered. The Israelites set out and camped at Oboth. Let us pray. Dear Most Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you so much for these blessings that you have poured out on us. God, if we were to take a Sunday and go around the room and talk about deliverance out of bondage and addiction, to talk about the things that you've done in our lives and, and, and the blessings you poured out, God, we, we would be here way past noon because there's too many blessings to even talk about and count. But God, if we're going to be honest, many times we don't focus on the blessings and we become bitter. And we start looking at the negative things and we start complaining about the things that don't work to our favor. And so God, forgive us of that. I pray that you would remove that hindrance. Lord, anything that we've done as a church that's caused us to get to the point of, of complaint and, un, and, and ungratefulness, remove that spirit of bitterness and help us to see the blessings and help us to pour out our hearts in praise to you. God, we love you and we thank you for meeting us here today. Speak to our hearts. Hide me behind the old rugged cross. And we'll give you all the praise, all the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, the Canaanites, if you know anything about Israel, if you know anything about the Bible, the Canaanites were the enemy of Israel, living in the land that had been promised to Israel. They were perpetual enemies of Israel. And so the Canaanites are stirring it up once again, but here's what Israel did. 
Israel prayed. Israel said, God, if you'll, if you'll deliver us, then we're going to glorify you. If you'll give us this deliverance from these Canaanites, then, then we will bless you. Israel made a vow. Israel promised. And their prayers are answered. Here's what's so crazy. Their prayers are answered. They're victorious over the Canaanites. They, they start transitioning towards the promised land. And here's what happens. Their prayers are answered, and then shortly thereafter that, they have a detour. Sometimes the long route is the better route. Sometimes when you and I try and take a shortcut, oh, we can really mess things up. Sometimes what we think is a shortcut winds up being the worst road we could have taken. But see, we take matters into our own hands, and we say, oh, I know what to do. I think I know better than God. I think I know how to get from point A to point B in a shorter route. Well, in this case, there's a detour. Can I just tell you that when God puts a detour in your life, it's there for a reason. You may not understand it. It may not make sense. And it might frustrate you. Quite frankly, it might tick you off. But can I tell you this? God is sovereign. God has a purpose and a plan for every detour, for every speed bump, for every thing in your life. He has a purpose and a plan. That detour ticked off the Israelites. Let's just be blunt. Let's just be real true here. We know there's, there's literally biblical proof that they were Southern Baptists because it says they grew impatient. <laughs> they grew impatient because by their calculation, they should have been there a long time ago. Anybody ever been on a road trip with kids? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? You keep asking that, we ain't never going to get there. But the detour that they had to take was taking them longer than they anticipated. Hey, hey, this isn't what we signed up for. Why would you take us out of Egypt? And, and, and we don't like this and we don't like that. They were looking for something to complain about. And how many of you know if you're looking for something to gripe about, there's plenty out there to find. And, and, and they looked at what they didn't like and they looked at what they didn't have instead of looking at all the, Hey, we just got delivered. We used to be slaves. Hello? And we're now free, and we're now heading to the promised land. But you're worried about this wretched food, you ungrateful Israelite. Ungrateful. My food's cold. My food's lukewarm. I don't like this. I don't like that. This isn't what I thought it would be. It sure is hot. It sure is cold. Never ceases to amaze me. We are definitely, we are definitely a diverse church. I heard two things this morning at, uh, at the very beginning. I heard, whoo, it sure is cold in here. Within two minutes, another person said, why is it so hot? Did y'all not pay the electric bill? You know what I wanted to tell that person? I wanted to tell the person that said it was hot to sit next to the person that it was cold and maybe, just maybe, there could be some harmony there. They could warm one another up, cool one another off, whatever works best for you. We can become those cranky complainers when we're looking for stuff to gripe about. Hey, this is taking us longer. I don't like this wretched food. They become cranky complainers. They grew impatient. They were a discouraged congregation. And can I tell you, when you're down... When you're discouraged, you are in the danger zone. Listen to me. When you're down, you are in the danger zone. 
You are susceptible to the attacks of the enemy. When you are down about yourself, down about life, down about church, down about whatever, the devil uses that as fertile ground to plant more negativity. He uses the fertile soil of your mind that is dwelling on the negative to just shoot more and more negative darts. He'll put a sand person, a sandpaper person right in the middle of your day. He will do things to upset you. You'll get pulled over by the blue light special. Things will happen and the negativity will just pile on, pile on, pile on. Isn't it interesting how that happens? Isn't it interesting how we can become a discouraged congregation? They questioned God, which shows a lack of trust. They complained. They murmured. Not only is it a discouraged congregation, it's a dangerous complaint, by the way. Because when you start complaining about this stuff, it actually reveals that you don't have faith in the God that delivered you out of Egypt. That you don't have faith in the God that saved you. When you start questioning and doubting, it literally reveals the nature of your faith. You can say, oh, I'm a person of faith. And then five minutes later, start complaining about all the things happening to you. Well, is God sovereign? Is God in control? Then maybe that hiccup, maybe that detour, maybe that speed bump was there by God's design. And you ought to just go, okay, God, you put it there for a reason. I may not like it. It may not be comfortable. We learned through our study of the book of Job. There's a lot in life that you're going to go, oh, I don't like this. Oh, this is not what I signed up for. Every one of those experiences, though, can mold and shape you and train you. Not only was it a discouraged congregation, not only were their complaints dangerous, but listen to me, they're dangerous because they're destructively contagious. Dangerous complaints are destructively contagious. Have you ever noticed how negativity can spread like butter in a hot skillet? Like butter on a griddle. It, it will literally spread one little negative comment. In fact, I've always thought this is interesting. People can be, you can be with someone and they can say something negative that you weren't aware of, that you weren't even conscious of, and you not only agree with their negative complaint, but you start noticing other things. And it becomes like this piling on of pessimism, piling on of negativity. And, and, and there, there you, you, you were enjoying the, the meal. You were enjoying the experience. You were enjoying the day and didn't even notice that negative thing until that seed was planted. This is why the Bible says, take captive of every thought. Take captive of that thought. Because I want to tell you, you need to be aware of what's called the snowball effect of your thinking. Starts off just a little accumulation of a few flakes. Negativity here, negativity... And before you know it, it starts snowballing. The little flakes of snow pile into a snowball, pile into a bigger snowball, pile into a snow avalanche. And it can be very destructive. Your attitude is contagious, positive or negative. Your attitude is contagious. We have a thing in psychology that we call mirroring. And some of you just fell for it. Some goofy guy in front of you has got this cheesy grin on his face, and all of a sudden you have it too. Because you're like, why is he smiling? What does he know? Is there something on my face? Oh. Mirroring. We mirror one another's facial expressions. We mirror one another's tone. 
They call me the de-escalator at work because a lot of times when we got somebody riled up and they're cussing and spitting and spewing, I know y'all don't believe this, but they bring me in to de-escalate the situation. Yeah, go figure. They bring me in and I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll show my hands like this. Hey, talk to me. Tell me what the problem is. I ain't talking to you. Okay, well, if you don't talk to me and you don't tell me what the problem is, then I can't help you. And there's a strong possibility that I can help you because they call me the helper. <laughs> it's the tone of voice it's my my movement my body language negativity is so contagious I don't want you to be a victim of someone else's negativity but I also don't want you to be the start patient X and the spreader of the negativity Take captive of every thought. Somebody in that Israelite camp had to be towards the back. And he had to be whistling, you know. Right, he's going to the promised land. He's excited. And it's like, it's like that game we used to play, telephone, where you whisper a secret. And it, by the time it got to him, he's happy. He's ready to get to the promised land. He's excited. But all the complaints finally trickled down to him. And all of a sudden, he's like, my feet hurt. My sandals have rubbed a blister on my... You just were whistling just a minute ago, Mayberry. What happened? The negativity finally affected him and finally got to him. Make sure that you're not a victim of someone else's negativity, but also make sure you're not the start of that negativity. Not only were they a discouraged congregation, not only was it a dangerous complaint, and not only is it destructively contagious... But here's what happens. The Lord sent poisonous snakes. Did you catch that? The Lord sent, and that's verse 6. The Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and they bit them so that many Israelites died. That's a deadly curse. A deadly curse. The snake bites caused the death of many of those that were griping, many of those that were complaining. That's a curse. That's the consequences of their actions. That's the consequences of their lack of faith. But watch, God is merciful because in verse 7 it tells you, the people then came to Moses and said, we have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Now ladies and gentlemen, when did they speak against the Lord? When did they speak against Moses? All we read in the text is they complained. They didn't like the food and they wanted to go back to Egypt. That is speaking against God. That is showing a lack of faith and a lack of trust. Questioning this. What, we don't, I don't like this journey. I don't want to be here. I don't like this food. Time and time again, they're questioning what's happening. And because of that, that's when they complained against God. That's when they spoke against the Lord and against Moses. And watch what they said. They said, they admitted, they humbled themselves. They said, we have sinned by speaking against the Lord. And then I love this right here. They said, intercede with the Lord. They asked Moses, please intercede for us. Take these snakes away. We are sick of these snakes. We don't like them. We don't enjoy this. This is not pleasant. Take these snakes away. Well, watch what happens. There's a divine cure so we started with the discouraged congregation, which led to a dangerous complaint, which led to the destructive contagiousness of their negativity, which led to a deadly curse. But here's the divine cure. In verse 8, 
the Lord said to Moses, make a snake image and mount it on a pole. We have a picture that we're going to show you of an image, or an artist's rendering rather, of Moses with the snake image mounted on a pole. You got that, Caleb? A snake image. Moses goes out in the wilderness. He intercedes on their behalf. And he holds up, and I want you to look at that. I want you to think about what that symbolizes. That pole and that snake on that pole. And, and I want you to also think about how snakes, right, they're on the ground. That's their mode of transportation. The snakes are on the ground, but what are they told to do? Look up. Now, I'm just going to tell you, if there's snakes somewhere, my eyes are going to be down by my feet. I'm going to be looking at the ground. Because the last time I checked, they're, they're not flying snakes. They're maybe one day in the future, but there's not flying snakes. So I'm going to be looking at their point of attack. I'm going to be looking at where they're coming from. But when you and I do that, we're looking at the attack. We're not looking at the deliverance. We're not looking to the deliverer. And they are told, even though the snakes are on the ground, hey, if you've been bit, look up. If you've been affected, look up. Look up from where my help comes from. Look up. Don't look down. Don't look at where it's coming from. Look at the deliverance. Don't look at where the attack originated. Look at the solution to the problem. Some of you get so focused on the problem that you don't look at the solution. He says, look up. And do you think that it's just a dink that they were told to look at a cross with a circle on it? Show that next image, Caleb. Some of you have seen this and didn't even realize it, but it's called the pole of... Uh, Eclipsis. No, that's not right. Permeus. Nope. Permeus is the two-headed one, but thank you for trying. Uh, Alep, that's right. Asclepius. Asclepius. Greek is hard sometimes. Asclepius. The pole of Asclepius. So this is on ambulances and on many imagery of, of medical stuff, the snake on a pole. Don't confuse it with a two-headed snake around a bronze with wings. That's the other one. But this, the pole of Asclepius... So, this originates from the Bible, even though there's some people out there that will tell you it's Greek mythology. Well, where do you think Greek mythology got its inspiration from? Isn't it funny how we, things can get hijacked and things can get twisted and perverted, and before you know it, you don't even know the origins of it. But that snake around the pole was the symbol of deliverance, was the symbol of, look to this and you will be healed. Look to this and you will be cured. Gaze up. Even though there's snakes on the ground, there's snakes coming at us. Don't focus on the attack. Focus on the fix. Concentrate on the cure. Don't focus on the problem. Confess to God, I'm a sinner and I need to be delivered. Look to the cross. Set your gaze on the cross. Now I want to read a familiar passage out of John chapter 3. The Gospel of John, chapter 3. But I'm going to take it in its context and read to you verses 14, 15, and 16. John, chapter 3. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Think about that for a minute. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in Him will have eternal life. Now, that familiar verse, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him would not perish, but have eternal life. Look to the cross and be saved. 
Confess your sin and trust in the Deliverer. Trust in the Savior. Quit focusing on your problem and look to Jesus to be saved. Would you bow your heads in prayer?